0: goals are good going after them is good but there's a way of going after them that doesn't have to be stressful we don't have to like cling to the way that we like think it's supposed to go and deadlines right Mm -hmm. it's like i'm gonna work my butt off i've laid out a plan i worked i I was committed i was disciplined i did the work that i was supposed to to do Mm -hmm. and it is going to happen but sometimes we are trying to control the whole thing and we're we're stressed out the entire time and we, we miss the boat
1: Welcome to The Space Between, the middle path between East and West, psychology and spirituality, high performance, and inner peace.
0: Hi, and welcome to The Space Between podcast. I am your co-host, Katie Cheadle, and I'm here with Clint Monfort, and we are going to be talking about stress today. (laughs) Clint, are you stressed today?
1: Uh, I'm not too stressed. I was a minute ago when we had the sounds of the loud gardeners in the background, but <laughs> right. now it's calm and quiet. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Right.
0: How are you? Right. I'm feeling good. Um, we're going to be talking about mindfulness-based stress reduction, um, which is a program developed by John Kabat-Zinn, um, which, you know, was revolutionary at the time. It's being integrated in, in a bunch of different ways now, but Before we dive into mindfulness, I want to, let's talk a little bit about some of the statistics around stress that are just mind-blowing, but not really. Um, One of my friends always says stress is the epidemic of our time. And I think that's accurate. Like this has been going on for a long time and we are not dealing with it well. Um, So Clint, listen to some of this. Okay. So I got these stats from the Mental Health Foundation and these were done at the end of 2019. So we're talking like right before COVID, right? So I'm interested in like how COVID has shifted some of these stats. Um, But so 85% of Americans are stressed. Shocked by that or no? Sounds low. (laughs) (laughs) This is what's kind of concerning to me and interesting. It says 70% of older adults, which is defined by being over the age of 25, 70% of older adults have had moments where they feel unable to cope. Like I literally can't cope. What's mind blowing to me is that 93% of young adults feel unable to cope. And this tells me like, we've gotta be teaching kids strategies with like mindfulness and integrating ways of like dealing with this. Because that that is a large number of young adults that are like, feel like paralyzed by this, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And everyone, everyone deals with it. And it's just, I, I've wanted to know for so long that there's got to be an easier way to live and a better way to deal with this. Right. Right. And so I'm really excited to get into this.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And talk about some of the things we've learned and coping strategies. And yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, 46% of Americans eat too much when they're stressed. (laughs) 29% 29% drink more than they usually do when they're stressed, and 16% increase the amount they smoke. So if you're already a smoker, 16% smoke more when they're stressed, right? Um, of the, and this is interesting for me, this next stat I'm about to share as a mental health professional, but it's of the, you know, 85% of Americans that are stressed, 51% of them also say they're depressed. say that they're anxious, which those are mental health disorders. So I think if we have an inability to deal with our stress, this leads us into mental health areas where it's like, ooh, this is starting to impact my day to day. So I think if we can get a better handle on stress, it will help our mental health numbers in this country as well. Um, uh, Number one causes of stress for young adults, body image, debt, lack, like fear of the future. Like, will I be successful? Is there hope? um which of these stats stand out to you a
1: lack of a hopeful future is i mean that that, that that's scary it's 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 kind of sad to hear that that, right. that so many people are are experiencing stress over that right. um the other two not so surprising but um yeah wow
0: yeah and i think again this was before covid right so i think you know i've been thinking about my clients there's a lot of fear about what the future is going to look like with the, you know with everything that we've gone through and i think we've all learned this year it's like control is an illusion and so anyone who like wants to feel like there's this perfect blueprint for how i'm going to be successful it's kind of like we just don't know what that looks like
1: right yeah i think this time has taught everyone that and and, and forced us to to come to terms with that reality
0: right 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 i'm still working on it
1: so much I. I
0: think everyone <laughs> is. I think it's, it's always me. ongoing work right right so Jon Kabat-Zinn, he came out with these, you know, foundations of mindfulness, and we're going to talk about these seven foundations. Uh, but I want to preface it by sharing that these are aspirational. Um, gosh, I I don't know one person that can practice non-judgment all the time, right? We are we have analytical brains; they're assessing. Part of judgment is is why we're able to move the mark, but. Um, yeah. So as we go as we go into these, I just want to connect the dots that if we can really arrive in a place where we bring these um, attitudes or these foundations of mindfulness into our way of being, we slow things down. Our body's more regulated, and we can show up in the world um, more at calm, more and more at peace, um, and with an openness. So let's jump into them, Clint. The first one is non judgment, um, and I think that for me. I judge the fact that I judge sometimes, like, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. right? Like I'll look at someone and have a judgment, maybe something in my brain, not so nice thinking about this person. And then it's like, Katie, who do you think you are? Like mm-hmm. what, who are you to judge? Right. Have right. you been there?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I've, I've been on both sides of it where I catch myself judging something and then I'm, I've been, <laughs> I'm judging myself for doing the judging. Absolutely. Like you said, uh, and I've, I've noticed how I feel during those moments too. It's kind of, It's something that is taking me away from just being present in the moment. And that has my mind going one direction while I'm wanting to be present. And then it certainly does not add to the calmness that I feel and it increases the stress that I
0: feel. Right, right. I also think that, you know, in this in these moments, um, it's like we label them. Right. So I'm like labeling. I'm labeling my interaction with you as like good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I like that. I don't like that. And I think when we release non-judgment, it's just really like being able to like take in the moment exactly as it is. And I think stress comes from wishing it was like different, right? Or judging the experience or attaching the value to it. Um, and so, I, gosh, this is like making me think of Michael Singer right now and his book, right? But it's mm-hmm. like, wow, if I can really like release judgment and not have to like assess every situation and put my preferences on it. I can like find so much more peace. I also want to say we all have people in our lives that we feel judged by (laughs) in relationships. And it's not a good feeling. I, 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 the relationships I have in my life where I feel Gosh, they're so non-judgmental, and they're just open to whatever I have to say and share. Those feel so good. So I know I aspire to be that person for other people.
1: Definitely, those, those being around those people feels the best. It's, it's it's noticeably different, and yeah, I have the same thoughts. That that's how I want to show up in the world. Yeah. So, do you have any any ideas or thoughts on on how we actually go about doing this and putting this into practice in our daily life, where it seems like our thoughts are just going nonstop? A mile a minute always and they're just judging before we even have a chance to even you know think about it or, or to, to do things differently
0: right right I think this is like I don't want to sound like a broken record but it's like mindfulness right it's awareness because our we have to be aware of our thoughts and if we have 60,000 to 90 thoughts a day for those of us that run anxious we're probably like 100,000 110,000 right um gosh like there's no way I can catch them all but if I'm really practicing mindfulness and awareness it's like ooh you totally just judge, where does that come from? Like getting really curious about it. And I think that's that's the practice is once we notice it, then we can like, then we can redirect and bounce back and, and get curious about where the judgment comes from. And I think as we peel back those layers, we're building the muscle. So then when I move through the world, judgment's going to show up less and less and I can take in, and we're going to talk about some of these other ones, but then I can take in the experience for what it is with like a neutral mind instead of, this is good, this is bad, right?
1: Right, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, it's like, once we catch ourselves doing it, and so, so the awareness, as you said, once we catch ourselves doing it, it kind of like it stops it from spiraling out of control, and we can observe that it happened, and then get back to the get back to the present moment without that.
0: Yes, there's this um, old wives' tale, and uh, this this girl, she calls her grandma, and she like tells her grandma that she like made some team or she got some promotion or whatever, and she's like, oh my gosh, grandma, like you won't believe it, like I made this, you know, I got this job or I made this team. Their grandma. And she's like, I'm so excited. And her grandma's like, it's not good. It's not bad. It just is. And then like a a few months go by and the girl is like, oh my gosh, grandma, like you won't believe it. Like they fired me. I, I missed a deadline or whatever. And grandma says again, like, it's not good. It's not bad. It just is. And then she was like working at a coffee shop or doing something that, and she like met someone. And anyways, then she got like her dream job and she calls her grandma again. And her grandma's like, it's not good. It's not bad. And I think in life, we don't know what the bigger plan is, right? Like it, it goes back to surrender experiment of we we think that we want things to be a certain way. But if we really can just be non-judgmental and be down for the ride and have an openness, it just is. Is, instead of like all the stress I cause myself when I want things to be different, right? Mm-hmm. So much wisdom in
1: that. No, there, there really is, and and it life starts to be exciting when we actually put that into practice and just go, oh, what's coming next? What's going to happen next? As opposed to like you said, an attachment about how we want things to be. It's a really, really hard thing to do, though. Yep. I mean, this I, I I have tried to do this, and uh, it it takes it takes repeated practice. But right. what the moments in my life where I found that I do do it. Uh, it can be really fun. It can be really fun. And you're like, Oh, look where this led. And I think we could, we've all, we can all relate to this in the sense that we can look back on our lives. And something that we thought that was bad was happening to us was really just something that needed to happen. So the next door could open for us and we can look back and and kind of like, you know, happily look back on it and say, Oh, look at all the good things that this led me to in my life. And I can't even imagine that not happening happening then because I wouldn't be where I am today. And so grateful. But the trick is to Be able to do that in the moment and not just look back on it, you know, as a thing you're happy about in the future, but, but in the moment to just live that ride, right?
0: Right. Yeah. If you can tap into the wisdom of 80 year old Clint Mm -hmm. and like that guy, that's like, man, you were so frustrated in your twenties or you wanted it to be this way so bad, dude, it worked out exactly. It's like, if I can tap into like that wisdom now in a day-to-day experience, how much happier would we be?
2: A lot. (laughs) A lot.
0: (laughs) Oh, hard work. All right. So let's move on. The second is patience. Clint, are you patient?
1: I am much more patient now than I used to be.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But this is just really about like seeing things and allowing things to unfold in their own time. And I think uh, we get really attached to timelines. I think about clients I work with. I think about in my own life of like, and by the time I'm this age, I want this. And by the time I'm this age, I want this. And it's like, whoa, like we all are on different timelines like be patient with the way that your life is supposed to to pan out and i think relating this to stress it's like you and i were talking a little bit offline but it's like when i'm ordering a coffee and i'm not patient with the person in front of me who i Mm. feel like is taking forever and has a high maintenance Mm -hmm. coffee order i'm sorry if one of our listeners is that that person i'm like you know i just want to order my americano and like move on Mm -hmm. um it's like, ooh, just like take a deep breath, Katie, because you're stressing yourself out about something mm-hmm. that you cannot, you can't make that person go any faster. You can't make LA traffic stop. Right. Be patient.
1: Uh, absolutely. Yeah, this this was a huge one for me in my life. Um, I used to just, I, I, when I grew up, I grew up around, um, you know, in a family that was kind of always late, always rushing, and it really carried over with me into adulthood. So I kind of always, you know, I just always felt this like stress to move fast or want things to happen faster. And, and I really experienced the impatient in times where I couldn't happen as fast or, or God forbid, there's a setback that makes things take longer than we thought they would. Uh, I was reading, I think it was in, um, uh, it was one of the, one of the books on stoicism that I read recently. And the author was talking about how, uh, she was going to the airport and she forgot something that she was going to need, uh, for her trip. And she was gonna have to go back home. And get something, and there was a chance she was, a good chance—she was going to miss her flight. Now, and so she was rushing and flying, and just in a miserable, you know, unhappy hurry, trying to go as fast as she could, and not not feeling any better as a result of that, right? But she caught herself, you know, into it, and and did the, hit the reset where she was allowing herself to to pause and say, "I'm going to be driving now in the car for another, you know, half hour, forty-five minutes, longer than I expected I was going to, and I'm either going to make my flight." or I'm going to miss my flight. Uh, me making myself feel miserable during this time is not going to help. And so she had, you know, she, she took the opportunity to go, I'm going to thoroughly enjoy this 30 minutes that I have in the car. I'm going to roll the windows down. I'm going to feel some fresh air. I'm going to really enjoy the, be- the view on the beautiful drive and just accept that whatever has happened is going to happen. And I mean, that is like the best stress reduction technique that I've ever heard of. I mean, it's amazing.
0: Right. Yeah. And that like feeds in so many of these themes feed into each other. Like when you were telling that story, I heard so much acceptance in there, but you can't mm-hmm. really talk about acceptance without talking about patience. Right. Of like waiting for things to unfold in their time. Right. These all speak to each other. Um, yeah, I think too, Clint, like we, we wait sometimes, like even with building a business, um, it's like, instead of having patience and enjoying the process, it's like, we think the next moment's going to be better or like, mm-hmm. let me just Let me just cowgirl through this thing and like Mm -hmm. and and the next thing's gonna be better. And it's like, whoa, like how can I bring patience to like where we're at today and enjoy that and trust that like we'll hit whatever deadlines or whatever? I think patience is difficult in a in a culture that just really like encourages productivity, efficiency, optimization. It really is, yeah. Yeah. It's almost, um, going against the grain a little bit on that one. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. The third one is a beginner's mind. And I love talking about beginner's minds because we, we take things for granted. (laughs) Um, and I think even in careers that we love, and I, I for sure do work that I love, there are days that I go in and I'm, uh, not as present and not remembering how good it felt the first time I started private practice. And I couldn't wait to see a client. I, I was telling someone last night at dinner, I was like looking at my old, uh, like how I track my clients. And I looked and I, I saw I had one client in January of 2019 and I saw her twice. So that means for a whole month, I, I only saw two, two clients as I was like starting this thing. And I was so pumped to have a client that someone found me and someone wanted to work with me. And I was so into the session. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's easy to just, you know, think you're good at what you do and think that you, you know, it's just what you do and you get in this flow and it's like, go, 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 go. And it's like, Whoa, like slow down and take this client in and notice like everything they're saying and not saying and their body language Mm -hmm. and how much you love what you do and you're stimulated and you get to like, take that beginner's mind and, that lowers our stress level because we're like having this sensory experience. We're slowing down our nervous system or present. Right. right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. When is the last time you integrated a beginner's mind where you were just like, maybe it was snowboarding for you, but like when you just took something fully in with like a fresh perspective,
1: probably right now doing this podcast.
0: Really? <laughs> Say more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's forcing me to, because it all is brand new. It is and nice. so it's really, it's really easy to, but, but, You know, that, that is something that is new, but when was the last time that I had a beginner's mind with something that, that I do repeatedly, um, or, or do, do frequently, um, uh, yeah, just, I mean, just even taking my, my dog down to dog beach and going on a bike ride with her, uh, yesterday and letting her run around and just just experiencing how fun and how awesome that is. Right. And not just, Oh, this is something I do on the regular with my dog, but to, to really take it in and go and just to see how much fun she's having and to, to just, you know, just, just enjoy it. And so, so that was great.
0: Yeah. Clint and I, we both live in Long Beach um, and we actually happen to have memberships at the same gym. And gosh, when I work out there, I, I always cultivate a beginner's mind because I'm like, how amazing is this that our gym overlooks the water. It's a really cool town. Yeah. Like I, I notice I it's easy for me to tap into that there. Mm-hmm. Um it's more difficult for me to have a beginner's mind with my toddler when I'm like running around or running late to daycare. I'm not caffeinated yet. Like it's like, oh my mm-hmm. but if I can like look at her and enjoy my coffee and like take it in, gosh, I would be less stressed. So I think this is definitely aspirational um to cultivate a beginner's mind in like each moment.
1: Right, it's difficult right. to do. So you're telling me that as a mindful therapist, you don't just have it all figured out. You still have to work on this, Katie.
0: Right. I love this. I was on a podcast last weekend and one of the guys asked, he was like, I'm, he's like, Katie, I'm just going to be real. Like you said, you work with a coach and a therapist. You're a therapist. Shouldn't you have it figured out? I just like died laughing because it's like, you can know these tools and these skills, but life happens. Mm -hmm. And, and, and when you're in it, it's so easy when you're like stepped back to use, you know, what you've learned and what you've read and what you're good at teaching. But I think we teach what we need to learn. I mean, Clint, I think
2: your journey as a health
0: coach, right? It's like you you went on this journey of like finding health and wellness, and you were going to be able to help so many people because you needed to learn it. And I think for me, like that is mindfulness to me in meditation. I've seen how it's changed my life. And it's Mm -hmm. like I teach that to others, but I'm constantly learning on the path right and like constantly falling off and then bouncing back and i think it's about like closing the gap my 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 falls aren't as hard as they were when i was 18 and 19 but i still fall
1: right right and it's because you i mean i think it's amazing that you work with a coach and a therapist Mm -hmm. it allows you to show up and be better at what you do you know I, i love that honestly
0: yes yes beginners mind always and we never we're never gonna have all the information like i can learn so much more. And I think that's a beginner's mind too. It's like when I go with my coach or when I go work with a therapist, it's like being so open to their feedback and their advice and their thoughts. Right. right? Instead of being like, I already know this, you know, oh. an eye rolling, like, come on, like you're telling me something I already know, like really being open. Mm-hmm. Beginner's mind. It's my, <laughs> it's my favorite. Um, okay. So the fourth one is trust, Ugh, self-trust, trusting the process, trusting the journey. Um, honoring our feelings, taking responsibility for them. This is difficult, um, especially when we have insecurities. And I think we're getting a lot of messaging um, sometimes that, yeah, like, like go and go and get your answers from Google, go and get your answers from someone else. Like, and, and it's, sometimes it's difficult to like trust ourselves and our own knowing and, and take, take the risk. Um, doubt creeps in. And when doubt creeps in, that's stressful, right? If I don't feel like I, if I don't feel like I trust myself, I am constantly, I'm constantly in this state of seeking answers and information and wanting people's opinion. That is, that's stress provoking. That's
1: a really good point. I think that is a, there's oh. a way that stress shows up that I think not a lot of people would think about necessarily.
0: Mm. Um, right, yeah. and our self self doubt causes stress. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, constantly. And I think when I when I think about people I work with, it's like. Arriving to a place of self-trust, that can be really hard work, especially if we beat ourselves up and we like live in the past a lot. We're not present. It's Mm -hmm. like, how can I trust myself now if I make this mistake and this mistake and I was in this relationship? And and it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. Um, And so I think that, yeah, trust is trust speaks to our stress levels so deeply. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Okay. Let's move on to non-striving. People hate this one, Clint. My clients hate this one because I think non-striving has this like flavor of, "I'm just gonna like lay down and <laughs> we'll see what happens, right?" <laughs> and not
1: try and not be and not be a go-getter, right? right? Right. Right. So how do how do we how do we be a go-getter? How do we go after everything with 110, uh, percent but not be striving? Like, how, do, how does right. that make any sense?
0: Right. So I think this idea is like goals are good, going after them is good. But there's a way of going after them that doesn't have to be stressful and make you miserable and we don't have to clinch again it goes back to like acceptance patience Mm patience we don't have to like cling to the way that we like think it's supposed to go and Mm -hmm. these deadlines right Mm -hmm. it's like i'm gonna work my butt off to get Mm -hmm. to this but like i can do that in a state of like non-striving which is like really trusting these all speak to each other really trusting that i've laid out a plan I worked, I, I was committed, I was disciplined, I did the work that I was supposed to, to do, right. and it is going to happen. But sometimes we are trying to control the whole thing and we're we're stressed out the entire time and we we miss the boat. Like we're yeah. miserable sometimes. Cause we think once we arrive there we're gonna be we're gonna be happy once I right. get this. And right. it's like, oh, how do we But
1: then how- the big secret is that as soon as you get there, your mind tells how's you working on the next thing and looking down the road and then you're back on the same wheel again.
0: Yep yep so i think like when i think about athletes um yeah it's like commit to your training plan do Mm. the work trust that you're putting the work in um i know that the results are going to take care of themselves
1: so it's really about embodying the process and falling in love with the process and enjoying the process and not being attached to any result yeah um just enjoy that and then I think what you're saying is that when we do detach from any striving for any particular result, or we want it to be a certain way, it actually allows us to enjoy the process more and not to feel that stress while we're going through the process.
0: Yes. Yes. And one thing, you know, John zinn talks about in his eight week program is that meditation is the best teacher of non-striving because when we sit on the cushion, there is no goal. Like And I think sometimes with meditating, people say they're bad at it or (laughs) they think there's a goal or I'm supposed to feel a certain way when I. it's like, no, it's literally just getting on the cushion and and taking those deep breaths, allowing you to observe your thoughts. There is no goal with meditation, and that's very uncomfortable for some people to do, especially when you start a meditation practice, because most of the things I do throughout the day, there's a result I'm trying to get from it. You know, there's, there's something we attach to it. And so sitting on a cushion there's no goal.
1: I love that. I wish, I mean, I feel like that, that statement right there can help so many people because Mm. I've had this conversation with people before talking about meditation and it does feel like they are striving for something. They want to get to that transcendent, transcendent state, which can be amazing and awesome, but it keeps them from actually just sitting on the cushion and doing it because they want to feel something from it. They want to get to a place with it as opposed to, just doing it to do it.
0: Right. Right. And then again, and trusting that all the all that good stuff <laughs> it might happen, right? Oh, it is
1: happening. It's scientifically <laughs> provably happening behind the scenes, even if they don't know it's happening. And that's, you know, I think that helps some people with saying that. But but I love that though, that it is kind of like going against the spirit of meditation when you're when you're really striving for something with it.
0: Right. And Clint, what you just said, you actually um, you said that to me when we were on the men who meditate conversation on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned that because I think so many people, um, when it comes to meditation, they do want to see the result. Like you said, and you're like, even if you're not seeing it, it is happening. So not only is it like sit on the cushion and practice non-striving and detaching from any goal, but also have a deep knowing shit's happening. Right. And I think like the science continues to tell us that, um, but people want it to be more tangible, I think. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, Okay. The sixth is acceptance. And I think acceptance for me is the foundation of of a lot of this. And um, a lot of the same people that don't like non-striving don't like acceptance because acceptance also has this flavor of like passivity. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to accept what happens when actually acceptance is the step step right before massive change and transformation, like none of the good stuff happens if we don't get to a place of acceptance, right? Cause then we're like denying it. It's not that bad. It's like, no, I have to realize I'm, I'm functioning of a place of way too much stress. I have to accept that. So then I can like choose different behaviors and a different way of being. And I think too, I was thinking, um, there's this one time I was in grad school and I was in a ton of traffic driving in Culver city and I had a massive headache and I was like, totally clean. Like I was, I was pissed. I had this headache. I was like miserable. Like I, I I was so cranky. I was so cranky. And I was reading full catastrophe living for the first time when I was in grad school. And I was like, he talks so much about, uh, integrating mindfulness when you're having pain. And so I was like, let's try it. And I was like being present with my pain, thinking about other people in the world, like that are in pain and like connecting to that. of Like, I'm not alone um and just like being suddenly my headache was manageable it was like it didn't go away there's no I wasn't like all of a sudden feeling great but it was like I wasn't resisting it Mm -hmm. I accepted it and my experience became so much better that's so
1: interesting (laughs) that is so interesting uh I got to try that one.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Because it's madness when we're in these like uncomfortable situations to just like want it to be different, want it to be different. Let mm-hmm. it like, in like be being annoyed, mad. Be annoyed
1: by the fact that it's even happening. Right. Like,
0: we get so mad.
1: Right. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: But it's, it's, it's,
1: so, okay. Good. So uh, walk me through it. So I'm walking through my kitchen. I stub my toe. I kick it so hard. I just want to yell a cuss word. You cuss. And then, and I just do, I do instinctively. <laughs> I, do. And I feel like it feels good to let it out though. Right. But but you're saying, I mean, yeah, how, how do I, because <laughs> then I really am annoyed. I'm so annoyed that I did that. And then I carry that on to the next task that I'm doing sometimes.
0: Right. And it's like, Ooh, how can I like breathe with the pain? Accept that I stepped mm-hmm. my toe. Mm-hmm. If you're like being like, why can't I just step like, then we're living in the past, right? Mm-hmm. If you're like, why did I do this? Why, why didn't I just step that way? Like right. if we're truly embodying mindfulness, like we're present with what is and, again, these are aspirational because these are so difficult to do. But I think the power of this is and what John Kabat-Zinn is telling us in his books and in, in his research is like, if we can do these, man, we're healing stress. Like we will not be, we're, we're going to be in a, such a different state if we can really integrate mindfulness. Um, but man, I think acceptance is hard.
1: It is, but it's a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a great one. It's like one of the, it's one of the, it's one of the ones that we can just practice throughout our days on a day to day basis, um, all the time. Like the opportunity is there moment to moment.
0: Right. A couple things in the notes that stand out to me too about acceptance is you know, it's not passive, it doesn't mean you have to like everything and abandon your principles and values. Um, it does not mean you have to be resigned to just like tolerating things. It doesn't mean you should stop trying to break free of your own self-destructive habits or give up your desire to change and grow. I thought that was my like <laughs> freebie. I just
1: have to stay stay doing yeah. the bad things because I'm accepting
2: them.
0: Right. It's like okay. quite the all contrary, right? All right. right? All right, all right. And acceptance to and is a willingness to see things as they are, and we're much more likely to have the inner conviction to take action when we have a clear picture of what is actually happening, which makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, the seventh is letting go. <clears throat> and this is this kind of feeds off of acceptance. It's like, okay, I've accepted this and like let me like take a deep breath and move on. Like, how many times does something happen, Clint, and we like hold on to it all day long? Like I have a conversation with someone in my life. I don't like the way it went. I'm thinking about it. I'm like replaying it in my mind. I'm mm-hmm. like, God, I should have said this. Why did they say that? Oh, I'm going to text. Ugh. Like it, it becomes this whole thing, right? And it's, it's the
1: like. Biggest waste of time and <laughs> energy ever. And I do it all the time too. I do it all the time too.
0: that <laughs> shit go, right? We have to let it go. Right. And it's so difficult to do. Because... So how do
1: we do it? Please please, <laughs> no. please enlighten me and everyone listening.
0: Well, I think there's so many ways, Clinton. Like we, we've talked about this too, right? Like I think. One through our disciplined meditation practice of like, you know, even the practice of like breathing something in and then taking a deep breath and like literally releasing it, right? I think that's a beautiful practice. And if we notice in real time that we're holding on to something, like maybe taking a deep breath, right? And like literally with the exhale, releasing whatever it is that we're holding on to. I think that's right. a beautiful practice. Right. Um, Yeah. And I, I think if there's like deeper things we're holding on to, there's so many like energetic rituals around this type of stuff of like, Writing something down and burning it, or even our journal practice in, yeah. in general, right, is a way of letting things go.
1: I found journaling really helpful. When I when I journal, um, it's just it's just an opportunity to get thoughts out, and they they just tend to not come back up as much. When you do that journaling in your head, it just feeds the cycle. It feels like even if you get to a place where you're okay with it, it just it just it doesn't really resolve it as much. Some something about physically writing it down and getting the words out on paper just doesn't really come back.
0: Right.
1: You know, it just feels like resolution somehow.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. Yep. I, I, and I think different practices resonate with different people. I even think like right. therapy is this for some, right? Like talking about something is a way of letting it go. Sure. Um, ooh, yeah. There's so many different practices. Jon Kabat-Zinn says too, that like, we all know how to let go because every night we go to sleep and that's kind of a way of like letting the day go a little bit, mm-hmm. of like we're moving on. Mm-hmm. I mean, sleep's a whole nother topic because it's not that easy right. <laughs> sometimes rest- and, then, and
1: then it impacts your dreams.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, right. I, I right, right, right. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that uh, like to add an additional foundation of mindfulness to his work. And I, I just, I want to mention it um, because it's not included here, but gratitude. People say that that should be like the eighth one um, because and Clint and I both have our own gratitude practice, but man, when we're grateful, like moment to moment or have a gratitude practice, I feel less stressful,
2: mm-hmm. you know, because
0: it's like, I'm able to reshift my focus and energy to, to what I'm thankful for mm-hmm. versus thinking about all the things I wish were different that has like a physiological impact on me.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I remember talking to you about things that I'm grateful for and then having you tell me how much I lit up, how much, how my posture changed, how my smile changed, how my, the way I was carrying myself changed, the tone of my voice changed. And all of a sudden I felt this positive energy over me.
2: Right. It really
1: is amazing how, how something so simple, um, you know, can make us make such a huge difference in the way that we feel and calming us and de-stressing us. And it's one of those things that I think all of us do at points in our lives, but, it's, it's really the key is to incorporating it into our daily lives, right? Okay. Having, having a regular gratitude practice.
0: Right. And, you know, one of the <clears throat> books I recently read um, by John Ruiz, who's the author of The Four Agreements, <clears throat> which most people are familiar with. He has another book, which I just read, Circle of Fire. Um, but he was talking about. Integrating gratitude moment to moment, and that is really difficult. It's easier for me at the beginning of my day and at the end of my day to write five things I'm grateful for, Mm -hmm. right? But moment to moment, even in these uncomfortable situations of like being in LA traffic and instead of wishing it was different, being like, I'm so grateful I have a car. Mm
2: -hmm. Right.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm driving to go have dinner with a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Like I have a friend right. that wants to hang out with me, like whatever it is. It's like in each moment we can shift to gratitude. That is the work of a lifetime.
1: In each moment. Absolutely. It, it really is. It doesn't have to be just once at the beginning of the day or once at the end, end of the day, but in the moment, like in the best, it's, I, I love to like, you know, you were talking about when a good time to do it is when, things aren't going as the way you think they would, or in a way that's you know causing you to feel less, a little less happy. What I like to do is to view those things as cues, right? Literally when mm-hmm. something bad happens or when we feel ourselves wanting things to be a different way, that is our cue love that. to go, what can I be grateful for in this moment?
0: Yes. Right? Ooh, I love that. So when we are activated, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, got the message, time to tap into gratitude. Mm-hmm. I love that practice.
1: And it takes some time to do it too. But then you, get, you start to, oh, there it is. There's that feeling again. And like, you kind of identify with the feeling, you know, we have in our body somewhere. It helps for me, right? With, for me, it's like, I carry stress a lot of times in, in, in my stomach, right? That's where I have tension. So if I'm going about my day and I notice myself tensing up in that, I'm like, okay, here's a really, really good opportunity for me to do
0: this. I love that. And if you don't, know, if you guys haven't picked up on this already, it's like, there's a theme here of like moment to moment practices versus formal disciplined practices. And I think like we both talked about, we have a formal gratitude practice. We have a formal meditation practice, but I think the real juice is in moments to moments, right. Of practicing mindfulness, practicing gratitude throughout our day.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the daily practice of it, like the, the, the morning meditationer. It, it helps us build up that skill, but then, yeah. put then, we use that muscle that we've built up doing that and put it into practice throughout our days, moment to moment.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. Um, so, you know, shifting out of those foundations of mindfulness, I just want to share, you know, my experience of mindfulness based stress reduction, um, there were two things that I feel like I got the most out of um, in my personal experience, and one was this idea. And I was it was a younger version of myself, but one one of the things was this idea of responding versus reacting, which was like mind blowing to me at the time. Right? I was like, "Oh, Katie, you are reacting to everything in your life. Like, you let this thing that happened make you feel this way, um, and then this thing happens, and you do this, and it's like, whoa! Like, I actually have power in the way that I want to respond." and by practicing mindfulness, I just saw such a shift in like being able to take a couple seconds. Like Clint, if you said something that offended me, old Katie might've been like, well, screw you. Like, what? why do you think that? Right. Like judgmental mind. And it's like, now it's like, after learning these practices, it's like taking a deep breath and then choosing like how I want to respond or getting curious about what, why you said what you said. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just a, that was just one of the biggest things I've seen in my own life from practicing mindfulness and, and and looking at the way that I handle stress, it's like, gosh, reacting versus responding is a huge theme for me. And when I get reactive, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm getting too far away from my mindfulness practice. It is such a good, it's such a good measurement for me is when I get right. reactive.
1: Right, Yeah, definitely, I, I agree. Uh, same with me, and it's it's one of those things that it can be it can be tough to do in the moment, right? right. It's like we're reacting before we even realize it, or we're so heated, right, that we that how do we not react? Right. Like how do we, it's one thing to say, okay, cool. Let me just choose how I want to respond. But we're in like an upset, flustered, angered state. Like how do we choose to respond differently while we're experiencing those levels of stress and anxiety and frustration and anger?
0: Right. I think that's, that's the work. Cause he talks about like, it's so easy to, to be able to respond when Mm. we're like with our with our best friends and we're going to meditation class and mm-hmm. walking to the beach and you're with Kaya mm-hmm. and it's beautiful weather. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, put me in a room with my family. Oh, put me, put me in some traffic. Like right, you right. want to be tested, Katie? Like, you know? And so I think, again, it's, it's what you said earlier about like sitting on the cushion and having these formal practices strengthens the muscle so that then in these day-to-day moments, get better, right? Right. We just get better, but man, we're going to be challenged. Right. And I think too, we have to take ownership for our environment. So it's like, if I know that certain environments stress me out more than like, maybe I don't go there as often, or maybe like, I don't just unconsciously make decisions, um, that don't actually serve me. And so I think this is where we like reevaluate our friendships. I think this is where we reevaluate how much time we do spend with family or how many nights we stay when we visit our family. Um, yeah, and like even like what exercises we do and what books we read and how much news we watch and right, like it all there's an ownership that comes with this, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to share, which was my biggest takeaway from his program, was just I have the ability to slow my nervous system down. I right. do. Right. Intentionally. And mm-hmm. I think I used to think that like it was a byproduct of like being at the beach or being relaxed. I was just like, I'm mm-hmm. relaxed. Right? right. And it's like, Oh no, you, Katie, you can do that on command. Right. And I, I feel like I felt really empowered by that. Mm-hmm. Of like I have the ability to slow this thing down when my heart's beating fast, or My stomach's tight or my shoulders are tense. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that, that's huge. I mean, there's, that is, there's, there's so much there. Um, that's something I've struggled with so mightily my whole life. It's just having an overactive fight or flight response. And mm-hmm. so just my, my body's stress response has always been activated. I think it was, I think it might've been activated for like 20 years straight, nice. honestly. Right. Um, And so many people now are experiencing so many stressors throughout their daily lives. Right. Moment to moment. Um, just one stressor, then another stressor, another stressor. And so, you know, our body's stress response gets activated and it just never has a chance to turn off. It
0: never has a chance. Right.
1: And it's, you know, it's, It's an important thing for people to think about, too, is that, you know, our body's stress response is there for an awesome reason, right? It's to to save our lives, right? When we need to fight or run, it is there to save our lives. It guides extra blood flow to our major muscle groups so that we can run, you know, historically, so we could run away from a lion, right? Whatever's chasing us. Difference was when we experienced that stressor back then and we ran away from it, now our body's tired. Now we automatically go into rest and digest mode where we get to deactivate our sympathetic nervous system which is associated with our stress response and activate our parasympathetic nervous system which is associated with relaxation we don't do that now when we experience a stress in our life whether it's traffic or an argument with a family mem- member or a friend or just the million things we have to do during the day we experience stressor sympathetic nervous system happens stress hormones released and we never engage in anything that is going to turn on our parasympathetic nervous system response. And that's a scary thing to think about. But honestly, when I learned about that, it was like the most enlightening. It was just, I, I felt so much hope learning that because I go, oh, no wonder I felt this way. Right. I thought I was just cursed to live this way my whole life, whereas everyone else can just manage stress better than I could. And I just had to deal with this kind of just feeling like a nervous wreck my whole life. Right. And just feeling you know, just stressed all the time. And it was, it made me wonder if I could, if I could do all the things I want to do in life, because how can I possibly do those things feeling the way that I do? And it was really nice to know that I don't have to, right. <laughs> I don't have to, I don't have to choose between doing those things and feeling good. I can, like you said, tap into my nervous system, make myself feel better. Right. 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 Ooh, so, that's so
0: powerful. Like I don't have to choose one or the other. Cause I think sometimes we're like, Oh, to, to reach the goals and to, to get the dream job and to make the money or to make the team. It's like, i have to be super stressed out. That's right. just, that's just part mm-hmm. of it. And it's like, Ooh, there's a different way of being. And I think, you know, Cliff, that's why we, that's why we started this podcast is because there is a different way of being
1: totally a hundred percent. And so I, I, let's, let's, let's get into that. Let's explore that, right? Like how do we tap into our nervous system? What are the things that we can do to when we're feeling stressed and we experience a stressor, uh, How do we go back to being in a calm state so that we continue our day's work without feeling like shit?
0: Yes. I think like one thing that my teachers taught me and she's going to be on a future episode that you guys will hear Lena Franklin, you know, our meditation practice is strengthening our parasympathetic nervous system and it is rewiring our neural pathways as we are sitting there on the cushion, breathing Mm -hmm. and witnessing our thoughts. So just by doing that, I am rewiring my brain. So in these moments, day to day, when I am stressed, like my system's not going to be as activated as it would be if I wasn't meditating. So I think meditation is like a beautiful foundation for this.
1: You're building up your resiliency, right? Not only are you feeling, everyone can relate to feeling calm after they meditate, but you are actually, what you're saying is that you are, you are allowing your body to handle stress during the rest of your day, even when you're not meditating.
0: Beautiful. Yes. That's, that's, that's it. Right. Um, but then I think like in those moments, right, when we're stressed, can we please talk about the power of a breath right now? And Clint, you and I've had some discussions about this. Even sometimes, right, like when we are stressed and we take that deep breath, mm-hmm. many of us are breathing wrong in that moment, right? We're actually perpetuating the stress. Definitely. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I've the power of breath has been so just, just transformative for me to take control of my own stress levels and you know, one of the the earliest things I learned with this was just to have a slower exhale, a longer exhale than the inhale, right? So a lot of people talk about taking a deep breath. They go, (sighs) (sighs) so you're breathing. I don't know if you guys can hear me over the microphone, but you're you're kind of, you're, you're taking a deep breath, but you're kind of doing it. And even if you take a while, you're letting it out pretty quickly, right? And it's such a more effective way to tap into our parasympathetic nervous system to do a slow controlled deep breath right so when people say take a deep breath i always just like to interject and say take a slow and controlled deep breath and really slow down your exhalation right mm-hmm. uh, and doing that it it naturally puts your body into a rest and relaxation mode because you can't breathe that way when you're being chased by a lion. right mm-hmm. <laughs> um when you're when you're fighting for your life you are definitely not breathing that way and my favorite thing about this is that it can be done in the moment, wherever you're at, whenever you're doing, whatever you're doing, right? So, you know, we're on a conference call, right? We can do it while the other person's speaking, right? While we're doing some task that's stressing us out, we can do it while we're doing that. Uh, it can just be, can be done throughout our day and it's so effective. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's been really, really helpful for me.
0: Yeah, and it's the best way to get back. In the present moment, mm-hmm. right? Like when our brain is everywhere else and we're thinking about a million things, like bringing your attention to your breath. Not only is it doing something to your nervous system, which you you know so beautifully talked about, but it's also like bringing me back to the here and right. now, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which is which is a great practice. I also think we can't we can't uh, minimize the power of like connecting to nature when we're stressed. And it's like even if it's a walk outside, right? right. Like you a walk are, around
1: the block. I mean it yeah. can really change how you feel.
0: Right, right, right. So those are some of my favorite ones. I think anything that I can do to tap into like my senses mm-hmm. is really helpful for me with minimizing my stress. And I think again it's like just like being out in nature or taking a deep breath, like even if I can't leave the office, but like mm-hmm. noticing doing that 54321 grounding exercise of like five things I see, four things I can touch, three mm-hmm. things I can hear, right? Like going through that Helps me, my stress level goes down because it's like, you're here, Katie. I really?
1: had never done that before. I just did that with my energy coach this last week and it was it was really cool. And I want to put this into practice. So yeah, good good point.
0: Yeah, it's the number one intervention for panic attacks because when you know we're so overwhelmed, um, and everything is feeling just that like massive feeling of overwhelm and your shortness of breath and mm-hmm. tightness to be able to tap into the sensory experience. It's so, it's so powerful. That is literally the number one intervention for panic attacks, and it seems so simple. Mm-hmm. Um but it's powerful. Uh, we can't, I don't think we can minimize that when it comes to our stress level. Right. Um, I also want to, you know, before we, before we wrap up here, I wanted to to share, um, like on a, on a maybe like a higher level of like dealing with stress. We're talking about like some of the tactics right now, like getting in the trenches and what you can do in real time. And I think there's power to that, but I, I also want to talk about some of our stress comes from being completely disconnected Mm -hmm. to values and like the environments that we put ourselves in. And there's a great book called lost connections that I've read multiple times. Um, and the author, I might butcher his first name. It's, I think it's Johan. Um, but his last name's Hari. Um, he, his research says that we are so disconnected these days. And so we're functioning we're functioning as just stressed out humans. We're depressed and we're anxious. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he believes that we are disconnected from meaningful work. Right. So I think like us acknowledging like, am I valued where I work? Do I like my job? Are they setting me up for success and to feel good? Like really taking some ownership for that. Right. Um, uh, your values, like am I living in alignment with my values? Um, I, I, I can't possibly be, calm and at peace if i'm if i'm living misaligned right if i'm saying family is the most important thing to me but i'm working 14 hours a day and i never see my kids or my spouse right clint i'm gonna be stressed right i'm, I'm so misaligned
1: right right when, when, we're, when we're living that way it's it's like it's like we're we're doing double duty because we're we're not living how we want to be living and so then we're trying to like project that way that we're feeling and want to be living but we're not actually doing it. So it's just kind of like we're being pulled in two different directions, which just adds to our stress levels.
0: Right. Um, and just to wrap this up, like disconnected from nature, which you and I just talked about, like mm-hmm. we're not supposed to be under fluorescent lights all day and mm-hmm. sitting at a computer screen and have our phone lighting up. Like right. we were not supposed, that wasn't what earth, you know, that mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't how this was right. thousands of years ago when people weren't dealing with anxiety and depression the way they are today. Right.
1: And those are, those are major stressors on the body.
0: Oh big yeah. Big time. Right. Um we're disconnected from meaningful relationships. I think, um, gosh, it's so important to have people in your life that you can go to and call and that you have a connection with. And I think with COVID, people have been just disconnected in general, right? And feeling isolated, which is very stressful. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the last two are we're disconnected from trauma. So I think sometimes we went through things when we were younger (laughs) and as kids and we just push it away and it doesn't have a voice and That will cause us stress for the rest of our lives it's like happening oftentimes on an unconscious level because the body keeps the score and we know this um and then lastly like we're disconnected from a hopeful future and so if we don't feel connected to what our future self is going to be or how they're going to feel it is Really scary and stressful. So I think you and I in future podcasts can maybe dig into some of those themes. But yeah, definitely. It's, those, it's,
1: some of those are worthy of an entire episode within themselves.
0: Right, right. So hopefully um, we left you today with some practices that you can integrate to minimize your stress levels and um and also, you know, ways of um, also kind of playing with some of the concepts we talked about. Um you know, when we went through the attitudes of mindfulness, um, Clint, what do what are some of your last thoughts?
1: Uh, I mean, I think we gave some good examples. One other one that jumps out at me that I didn't touch on was, and I mean, it, it relates to what you were talking about, about, um, kind of just being present and in the moment, but the easiest way to do that is to knock it off with the multitasking. Um, multitasking is one of like the biggest, if you want to feel more stress in your life, start multitasking more. Um, I used to do it all the time. And it never made me feel better. And you know, I think most people know now that multitasking isn't the best way to do things because you end up just doing two things, not as optimally as you'd <laughs> like to do each one of them. Um, but I don't know if that a lot of people pay attention to the amount of stress that it creates um, within them by trying to do two things at once because you're, you're doing one thing, your mind's going somewhere else. And sometimes I think people don't realize that they're doing it. Um, I, one, one way that it showed up for me was you know, when I'm doing a task that, you know, just some tasks that I don't want to do, whether it's folding laundry or doing dishes or whatever, right? In my head, I'm running through my task list of all these things I've got to do next. And I'm putting it, trying to put it in an order of what I'm going to do next. And going through all those things, I mean, I've, I've observed it it, it, it adds to our stress levels. It really, really does, as opposed to just going, I, I can't be doing those things right now. I can't be really doing anything else right now. I might as well just be fully present while I'm doing this task. And even if we could be doing something else, it truly is, it's one of those things that people are going to get a return on their investment from because they might go, well, I really need to do these two things at once because otherwise I'm going to not be able to get everything done. And I would challenge people to really take a step back. And if you really just focus on doing one thing at a time, the, the, the stress reduction and the, the energy that you will gain, be gained from focusing on one thing at a time Will allow you to be more productive for a longer period of time throughout your day, allow you to get better sleep at night so that you can then wake up with more energy refreshed for the next day. And so it's one of those things that we think we're, we're, you know, we're saving ourselves time, but we're really not.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. Such a good way to end. But if you are driving and listening to our podcast, that is approved. Um, That is the only multitasking we approve. Um, Anyways, if you found this episode helpful and you enjoyed it, please share this um, with your friends and your family. And you can follow us on Instagram at The Space Between Podcast and follow us on Facebook. Um, And Clint and I are checking out and we will see you on the path. Take care.